Amen to that. Yeah. 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 They said people used to come for miles to uh, hear Pastor Charles Spurgeon pray before the message. I come for Mark's. Uh, that, uh, thank you for... No, I, I know Mark's not trying to draw any attention. He just... Uh, that's authentic, and, and he loves the Lord. And thank you for, Mark, your prayers. And, and it does kind of pave the way for what God will do. And, and, and the worship. Gary, thank you. That was, that was wonderful, uh, the praise and worship. Um, uh, I was just thinking... Uh, and by the way, good morning to all of you that are here. It's still morning, barely. Uh, well, we've got 45 minutes left. It's still morning. <laughs> But um, good to see all of you that are online, uh, and maybe those of you in the fellowship hall or, or wherever, out in the courtyard. But, um, you know, I was just thinking in the summer months, and we've had a lot, we have a lot of people that are on vacation, and uh, I know several families that are out of town and stuff, but usually it can be a little sparse, but we have not had that issue lately. You know, you, know, you guys have been coming out and, and ready to worship, and so uh, we've talked about this before uh, in the... Um, in the Feast of Israel, uh, you have the feast in the spring, and you have the feast in the fall, and then there's no feast in the summer, because the summer is all for laboring, and then the, har- the harvest comes in the fall. So uh, as you guys continue to come out and worship and, and uh, gather these summer months, uh, you know, it's for laboring for what God will do down the road. So we just want to continue to keep planting these seeds and see what God will do through both our worship and our fellowship, and uh, as Mark mentioned uh, the Tailgate Fellowship's a great time to get to know people you don't know this Wednesday night. It uh, gives our servants a little rest as well. Uh, but we'll have, you, you bring your own food, you bring your KFC, your Taco Bell, your homemade, your leftovers, whatever it is, but just enough for your family, and we'll provide the ice cream. We also have glow stick necklaces for the kids. And if you're an adult and you really beg for one, we'll give you one too. Uh, and if you really need one, as the sun goes down, they light up and they're, they're, a, lot, they're a lot of fun. So... We're looking forward to having that on Wednesday night. We had a really amazing, blessed week from the Lord. Uh, some of you are out of town. Some of you are out of town now. But just in case you didn't know, I want to make sure you do know, uh, we installed our seventh deacon. We have four elders and now seven deacons. Jason Hood and, uh, you know, Jason and Melissa took over our children's ministry to start the new year. Uh, we're so glad. You know, they got saved in Southern California and San Diego. Uh, they came from... Uh, Calvary Chapel Chino Hills to here, and they brought a lot of things that they learned uh, there and Pastor Jack Hibbs Church uh, to our children's ministry, and that's been a blessing to have them come here. Uh, but they're in South Carolina this week for a wedding uh, with one of the uh, gentlemen that uh, uh, Jason served in the U.S. Navy with, and because he retired a couple couple of years ago, and uh, now works for a government government job here in Virginia, but uh, they're out of town this weekend. But I just wanted to let you know, in case you didn't know, uh, we uh, laid hands on him last week, and most of you know, but I know some were out of town and things like that. And then we had VBS uh, starting Monday night, Tuesday night, Wednesday night. Uh, there's an old saying: "There's tired, there's dog tired, and there's VBS tired." <laughs> and um, some of you are experiencing VBS tired. Uh, I'm experiencing VBS. I taught on Wednesday night, and uh, I had a lot of things uh, to do this week, and me and my wife taught, and we poured out, and it's weird. I'm over here teaching little kids. It's so different. I have to kind of, it's like totally different gear shifts for me, uh, teaching, uh, coming down to that level, but it's good for me, and it's good for all of you that serve. We had 50-some adults serve, and we just had a fantastic week, so God blessed it, 
And we met people in the community. I talked to several families from around here. They don't attend here. I invited them. I even told them about the fall festival coming up. And so uh, it's a good chance to connect with our neighbors and, and serve the kids. So thank you for everybody that served uh, and put that together. And then uh, we had our first ever internal. We didn't do it with other churches, but it's just internal. Calvary Chapel Worship Conference led by Tawan, who's over at his brother's church this morning, uh, but he led uh, that conference uh, and workshop yesterday, and I shared uh, yesterday's sessions, and just a great team. God's been adding the team. You've seen we have Gary and Jackson and Phil and Tawan and uh, uh, Mark Sienna and, and his family, and God is just continuing uh, to raise up. Now, and, and we have new ladies coming to the worship team, so we had a lot of dude voices for a while there, but we are, we are expanding. There's some Higher pitches coming and things of that nature. So God's doing a good work, and we're just grateful. And uh, as Gary said, yes, worship kind of leads us into battle. It leads us into the Word, too. It just prepares our hearts. So I uh, just wanted to share that with you, and we had just a really fruitful time uh, Friday night and then yesterday. Uh, so now you can see why some of the ministries are getting a break in August. So uh, we kind of like let it all be poured out as much as we possibly could uh, this past week. And then... Uh, we've got a team that's gearing up. They're just, uh, they're just, and some of them served in VBS. So where is our Guatemala team? Would you stand all the Guatemala team that is headed out? Um, yeah, we've got, uh, yeah, stay standing. Is, is Javon, oh, there's Javon. Stay standing. So we've got Javon back here, Joni, we've got... The Sabinsky family here, we've got Enoch, uh, and we just want to have them as they stand. Let's pray for them. Uh, they are headed to Guatemala. We love the ministry there in Guatemala. Uh, Pastor Jeff and Nicole, God's done an amazing work from the time they planted. Javon spent nine months down in Guatemala uh, teaching uh, there in the school, and so they're going to be visiting orphanages. They're going to do evangelism outreach. They're going to uh, do a building project with one of the orphanages. They'll probably minister to some of the folks that have been uh, come through sex trafficking and things of that nature. So just a ton. Uh, we, If they visit uh, this one place, there's a lot of guys coming out of the, the drugs and, and things of that nature. So there's just a lot of heaviness and needs down there. Uh, but they're going to be uh, really just, I think the Spirit's going to just fill them with joy. And so we just want to pray. We had a good meeting with them last week. We, uh, we don't have any Guatemalan restaurants. We did take them to a local Mexican restaurant. Uh, but, uh, but, but we've chose one that was authentic as could be. So we had a great time fellowship with them. So let's pray for them. Lord, we just uh, lift up the team. Uh, Derek and Javon leading this team. Lord, we pray that you would pour out your spirit upon them. They leave bright and early at 6 a.m. on uh, Tuesday. Lord, I pray that uh, even now you'd give them added rest, added strength. Uh, Lord, I pray that uh, you would just empty them of themselves, fill them with your spirit. Uh, Lord, I pray that you would also just um, uh, anoint every step they take, uh, boarding the plane, off the plane. Uh, Lord, every place that they go, I pray that, uh, that they would just see God move in a mighty way, that they would grow but also, Lord, that souls would be saved and lives would be changed. And, Lord, they'd come back with a love for the Guatemalan people. Yes. And, Lord, what you're doing there. And I just pray this would be a refreshing for Jeff and Nicole and uh, Brandon and Rosa and all of the people that are there. We just ask these things in Jesus' name. Amen. You may be seated. Thank you for praying for the team. Be praying for them this week. 
just uh, as you think about uh, is Tuesday morning when you're getting up, be praying for them and all the way through the week, and uh, we might have some updates. Sometimes uh, the Wi-Fi is not so great down there, so we, got, we might get some updates, uh, but uh, they'll be back and being able to share when they return what God's done. And then lastly, as we continue to pray for revival, I share this in the first service uh, for just a moment. Uh, in the book of Ezekiel, I still have it marked here, um, it talks about uh, God sent an angel uh, to mark, uh, to go through the, it's in Ezekiel chapter 9, God sent an angel to go through the city, and he said, go through the midst of the city and through the midst of Jerusalem and put a mark on the foreheads of the men who cry and sigh over all the abominations that are done within it. And I think about our own country. Does it break your heart, the abominations that are just just exploding in our country and just the rebellion towards God and the the godlessness and the resistance and the rebellion. And if it breaks your heart, it really breaks God's heart. But God marked those that really did weep over these things or really were broken over these things. And so uh, he wants us to have a heart to see God bring renewal, to bring revival. Uh, What he did in Nineveh, what he did at Pentecost, that we would see him open eyes. And so we're not looking. And by the way, people that are dead in their trespass and sin, uh, God loves them. He died for them. We're not, we're not pointing some finger, uh, but the abominations still uh, hurt our hearts. And, uh, and we know that they cause so much damage. And, and I just look at our country and every week uh, the news is hard to read and, and just, just the resistance and just the pride and just the hatred, and just anything, anything that is godless is lifted up, anything that is righteous is trampled down, and uh, it's complete upside down. Good is evil, evil is good. We have corruption in our government. We have just, uh, you know, the things that Hollywood's producing, the entertainment industry, and it can go on and on. But at the same time, God asks us to look in the mirror of ourselves, amen? Amen. That we're not having self-righteousness, that we don't have our own little idols, which we do, right? And so as we pray for revival, we're also praying for us. Where is our lukewarmness? Uh, you know, are we really on fire for the Lord? Are we hot or are we cold? And as Jesus told to the church in Laodicea, so uh, we're not just um, praying out there. We're also praying for in here. So uh, we've been praying for revival for about 15 years. I really believe that we either see revival or judgment. I pray that it's revival. I'd love to see a harvest of souls. Um, and We've been, ever since the pandemic, if you're visiting, we've been getting our knees, which is an old-time thing they used to do in churches. They used to have knee pads right, right there right where the hymnals were and the little offering, and there was a little knee pad. But um, it's difficult in this service, a lot easier in the 830 service. But if you're able to get on your knees, we didn't last week, but we want to today, please do so. If you can't or you just have bad knees, just pray with us in your heart. God knows your heart. There's, this is not a mandate. This is if you'd like to do it, you certainly can. And then about 45 seconds of silence, and then we'll pray and uh, finish uh, or get back into, not finish, but get back into Acts chapter 4. Let's pray.
And Lord, you continue to extend your mercy and grace because you're not willing that any should perish. And Lord, you refrain from judgment. You have great patience. But Lord, we also know that you do draw a line in the sand at some point. And Lord, we pray that before that line is drawn, we pray that many would repent from the highest offices in this country, those in Washington, those in New York, those that have uh, the heads of companies, the heads of states, governors, mayors, Lord, those that have no name, homeless people that need to be saved, Lord. We pray that uh, in all points in between, our friends, our neighbors, our co-workers, our relatives, Lord, that we're praying for that are still not believing not repenting, not coming to Jesus, Lord. We pray that they would turn. We pray that you'd bring a, a wave of repentance, Lord. But we also pray that you would stir your church, and Lord, that the lukewarmness would dissipate and it would be replaced by Holy Spirit-filled people. We pray also for the UAE over there in the Arabian Peninsula. We know that, Lord, you uh, love them, those that are uh, in Islam or materialism. Lord, we pray that they would turn to you. We pray that you'd bring revival to that nation as this nation, Lord, as we pray for all the nations. Lord, we pray for our persecuted brothers and sisters all over the world. Lord, release them, deliver them, heal them, strengthen them. As the ladies will watch later today, Lord, I pray that we would see many testimonies of those that have come through the fire and, Lord, have brought other people into the kingdom. We ask these things in Jesus' name. Amen. You may be seated. Thank you for praying with us. And if you would, as you find your seat, uh, grab your Bibles and turn to Acts chapter 4, and we'll continue picking it up with where we left off. We finish up through verse 22. If you're visiting, we try and go verse by verse through the scriptures. We're in the book of Acts on Sunday. Uh, we've been doing a psalm series on Wednesdays, although we'll start a new series on Wednesdays in the fall. Um, and I didn't, uh, also, next Sunday, I have a, a very important and special announcement. And it's good news, but we'll need your help with it. So if you're here next Sunday, you'll find out what that is. And it is, um, yes, I got to wait a week. But uh, it, is, it is a very important announcement, a very good announcement. And we'll make sure that the team in Guatemala gets that announcement too. We're not going to leave them hanging. You know, we'll, we'll, I'll make sure Jeff delivers it to them as well. I said next Sunday. So if you were planning on never coming again, at least come one more time. So uh, at least one more Sunday. And maybe that will convince you to come some other Sunday. So if you were just on the fence, I don't know if this is my place or not. I'm not sure about this or that. You know, it's just anyway. I know where that came from. But anyway, Acts chapter 4, starting with verse 23. And being let go, they went to their own companions and reported all that the chief priests and elders had said to them. So when they heard that, they raised their voice to God and with one accord said, Lord, you are God who made heaven and earth and the sea and all that is in them, who by the mouth of your servant David have said, why did the nations rage and the people plot vain things? The kings of the earth took their stand and the rulers were gathered together against the Lord and against his Christ, for truly against your holy servant Jesus, whom you anointed, both Herod and Pontius Pilate with the Gentiles and the people of Israel were gathered together to do whatever your hand and uh, to do whatever your hand and your purpose determined before to be done. Now, Lord, look upon their threats and grant to your servants that with all boldness they may speak your word by stretching out your hand to heal and that signs and wonders may be done through the name of your holy servant, 
Jesus, when they had prayed, the place where they were assembled together was shaken, and they were filled with the Holy Spirit, and they spoke the word of God with boldness. Let's pray again. Lord, we ask that the same Holy Spirit that shook that place will clear our minds, soften our hearts, and Lord, shake us if we need to be shaken. Stir us if we need to be stirred. Filled, Lord, if we need to be filled. Emptied if we need to be emptied. Convicted if we need to be convicted. Comforted if we need to be comforted. Corrected if we need to be corrected. Lord, the same spirit, Lord, we pray that you would move in a mighty way as you already have. Worship and the prayer that opened this service. Lord, we pray that you would continue now with the power of your word. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. The entirety of what the Lord has done and orchestrated in chapter 3 and here in chapter 4, all began with Peter and John heading to the temple to pray. And we find them once again coming to God in prayer as the atmosphere in Jerusalem has changed as a result of all that has taken place. A lot can change in a minute. Would you agree? A lot can change in a second. And a lot can change in 24 hours. And some massive changes have taken place from the moment that Peter fixed his eyes on that lame man who was waiting by the temple gate uh, there in Jerusalem, a man who had been lame for 40-plus years who had been miraculously healed. And throngs of people in and near the temple have marveled at this, given that the entire city knew who this man was. The formerly lame man was now attached. Wherever the apostles were, he was with them. And you can see from the handful of details that Luke gives us, uh, post-healing, we see the joy that this man now possesses. And I don't know about you, but I want that kind of joy all the time, don't you? That joy, that exuberance that he had. Now, Peter, recognizing that it was the Spirit of God, not him, not John, but the Spirit of God that had performed this healing, uh, that he knew that the Spirit also had opened up a door, a door to represent Jesus Christ to an attentive audience. And it's not easy to get to an attentive, it's not easy to get an attentive audience to talk about Jesus, is it? But God had provided that to them. And Peter also takes this opportunity, and he stood up, as you recall, going back the last couple of weeks. He stands up with boldness and with clarity. He proclaims the mission of Jesus, the salvation of Jesus, and the resurrection of Jesus. Jesus. And as many as 5,000 new souls came into eternal life by believing in Jesus and repenting and turning from their sins. But not everyone's rejoicing. Not everyone was happy about this. The temple priests, the guards, the Sadducees, they arrest the apostles and they incarcerate them. The following day, they present them before Annas, who was, the high, who was the high priest emeritus, and Caiaphas, who was the acting high priest uh, at that time. They present them before them to intimidate them. But Peter, not intimidated, goes and preaches yet another powerful message. Under 60 seconds, probably one of the most powerful, maybe the most powerful, under 60 second messages you'll ever see in the scriptures where he reminds the rulers, and this is a good way to get uh, in real more, more trouble with them, he reminds them that they had killed Jesus, but that he had risen 
and that there's salvation in no other name under heaven. Now, what was their response? What was the ruler's response? Seething. Folded arms. Zero repentance. Much like our leaders in America right now. Zero repentance. They are folding their arms. They are closing their hearts. Zero repentance. No belief. No fear of God. And it says in the Psalms, there was no fear in their eyes before the Lord. And the same was true then. And the same is true with our leaders right now. And they severely threatened them to no longer teach or preach in the name of Jesus. Cease and desist. But Peter affirms that he and the other apostles are not going to stop. That they are going to continue doing what they've been doing, teaching in the name of Jesus, doing what they've seen in the miracles of Jesus, and proclaiming what Jesus told them to proclaim, which was the gospel. And all of this has taken place. Everything I just said, I don't know if you realize this, from the time Peter fixed his eyes on that man to the time they are now with their companions relaying the whole story. This is all less than 24 hours, way less than 24 hours. started at 3 p.m., and now it's the following morning. All of that is in a short span of time. So in that little bit of time, less than 24 hours, God has healed a lame man who's been lame for 40-plus years, saved about 5,000 souls, ignited a deeper faith in the apostles, but this has also stirred up a hornet's nest in the rulers. And out of potential fear of a riot, remember they had no fear of God, but they were concerned that the crowd could turn on them because the crowd believed in the miracle. Why, how could you not? It was real, right? They released them. And as Peter and John walked out of the presence of the high priest and the other leaders uh, that have warned them, no doubt warning them with imprisonment, beatings, or death, they might be thinking, I would have been thinking, what have we gotten ourselves into? And can we be this bold in the days ahead? You ever wondered, after you've done something really bold, could I ever be that bold again? I see people that, I don't know, I went on a mission trip, I don't know if I could ever pull it off again. You know, I said this to someone, I wrote a letter to a family member, that I, I don't know where the boldness came from, but the question is, how will they respond? Because the opposition is not going to go away. As you read the rest of the Bible, you'll see that, right? The opposition is not going to go away. It's going to intensify. If you're taking notes, you see the title this morning, Prayer, Praise, and the Power of the Holy Spirit. Uh, back to our text in verse 23. I look back at verse 23 here. And it says, And being let go, they went to their own companions and reported all that the chief priests and the elders had said to them. Again, they were reluctantly let go. This wasn't the, if the, if they could have gotten away with murder again, they would have just gone ahead and executed them right then. But they feared the multitudes. Same fear that they had. Remember they had to kind of really figure out when was the right time to arrest Jesus? So they did it in the middle of the night. I mean, everything, they, can, they, got, they turned the crowd. I mean, everything had to be manipulated. Does that sound familiar? Anyway, that's a different topic. Again, that's uh, the world we live in. Everything has to be manipulated. Uh, but they report all that the chief priests and elders have said. So they come back to their companions, and they uh, say, this is what's taking place. Basically, they're telling their companions 
uh, their brothers and sisters in Christ, basically that Annas and Caiaphas and the elders still deeply despise Jesus. They want nothing to do with Jesus, and they do not believe in Jesus. And they tell their friends and companions that this miraculous healing, just like all the other healings and miracles that Jesus did, did not change the rulers' minds one iota, one bit. Rather, they are determined to silence us. That's what they've been telling their friends. They are going to try and silence us to eliminate our witness, just as they were determined to do with Jesus himself. Now, do you recall what Jesus told the apostles in the upper room? We spent a lot of time there in the book of John. I'll put it up on the screen in John chapter 15, verses 20 through 21. And Jesus said, remember the word I said to you. He's speaking to these 11. Judas had already left the room. He's speaking to the 11. And it will go on to be not just the 11, but the 120 and beyond. Remember the word I said to you, a servant is not greater than his master. If they persecuted me, they will persecute you. If they kept my word, they will keep yours also. But all these things they will do to you for my name's sake, because they do not know him who sent me. Jesus is like, if, if they, if they like the words I preach, they're going to like the words you preach. If they hated the words I preach, they're going to hate the words you preach. Does that make sense? Yeah. He said it's axiomatic. Now, it's one thing to hear this is going to take place, that upper room night. Oh, yeah, yeah, uh, that's going to happen, yeah. It's another thing when it comes, and it actually happens. Quite another thing to experience it in real time. And Peter and John have indeed experienced it. Uh, and the arrest and threats that were issued to them are not only to them, but they're to all the disciples. They're to all the church. And all those who have come to faith in Christ, starting with the apostles. The apostles were on the front line of this. But they go and they report to their companions. Who are their companions? Probably the other, the other disciples, the other uh, apostles that were there in the upper room. Plus, it could be some of the 120 that were gathered there in Acts chapter 1. Could be some. could be the entire 120. We don't know. And they recount what happened with their arrest and the severe threats that they received. But I love the response in verse 24. Look at verse 24. So when they heard that, they got the report, the threats, their arrest, everything that they were uh, intimidated with, they raised their voice to God with one accord and said, Lord, you are God who made heaven and earth and the sea and all that is in them. I love that response. And we need to learn from and follow uh, their response. When they heard, they raised their voice to God. Collectively, they did not say, we need to workshop this. We need to figure this out. Some of you analytical people, that's you, right? Prayer comes eight hours later. After you've made a spreadsheet and figured everything out and designed a workflow and everything else. I can be like that sometimes myself. But they didn't say, let's workshop this. They didn't say, hey, we need to worry about it. Some people like, 
They're are really they're gifted in worry. You know, they, I can do this for a week. I can worry. I can worry for you about it. They didn't say we need to run, get out of Jerusalem, go buy a homestead somewhere else in the Middle East. No, with one accord, they said, we need to pray. You and I need to get to the place that almost anything and everything that happens, we stop and say, we need to pray. Whatever it is. And immediately they began praying. The closer we are to Jesus, brother and sister, the closer we are to Jesus, the more mature we become in the Lord, the more we're led of the Spirit and filled with the Spirit, our response to things will be, let's pray. Not let's figure it out. Because a lot of times our opinion, even though it's a good opinion, even though it's an informed opinion, even though we have experience, it may not be what God is expecting or wanting us to do. Amen? So sometimes God says, I know that's what you would normally do, but I want you to go this route instead, or I want you to respond this, or I want you to not say a word, or I want you to say a word and go either way. We'd all agree that answered prayer is a tremendous blessing. We love to cross things off the list. Yes, we prayed, and it happened. We got the job we were praying for, and not only that, with an extra bonus and all this stuff, we love answered prayer. And it is a tremendous blessing when someone's healed or they do get that job or, or whatever it is they're praying for, a relationship restored, all these things. We, the, but the very act of sincere prayer is peace-giving. You heard Mark pray. We didn't have any prayers answered, but it was powerful. The very act of sincere prayer is peace-giving. It's joy-producing. It's pressure-relieving. Just to stop and pray will take the pressure off. Before there's any answer or any move from God, just praying will calm us, nourish us, strengthen us. And by the way, no answer is an answer sometimes, right? It's to wait. It's to be patient. And sometimes the no answer is actually no, which kids got a lot more in the 70s, that answer, didn't they? they you know, Amen. 60s, 70s, they got the answer no. And then when they had the follow-up, why, they got this one, because I said so, right? <laughs> and God still does that, doesn't he? He still says no and still says because I said so. But to pray is faith and to wait is faith. But, but just to stop and say, Lord, you know, let's be honest. Sometimes, even when we stop and pray, we don't really believe the prayer is going to work. But, but at least we stop and pray because that at least shows that even against our natural unbelief, we're still going to pray. And I, by the way, the more you do that, you start to believe more that it actually will be answered. But you first have to put the discipline and say, I'm going to stop and pray. I'm going to stop and pray again. And lo and behold, you will find, it's like watching a clock. You never see a clock move. You will find that your faith, you're starting to believe that God's going to answer it before you would have said, well, here, I'm just praying it. And it's just, well, I'm going to pray it, but I don't think it's going to work. But eventually your faith grows. And so just to take that step and pray is faith building. But notice the focus, uh, the first focus of their prayer, how they said, Lord, you are God who made heaven and earth and the sea and all that is in them. They exalt, they start with, they actually don't start with the petition, do they? They exalt 
and praise the name of God, and they speak of his power. I put a couple of passages up on the screen that uh, you can see this throughout the scriptures. In Psalm 34, 3, oh, magnify the Lord with me and let us exalt his name together. It's a good thing for us to gather, not only pray together, but exalt his name together. In Psalm 69, 30, I will praise the name of the Lord with a song. By the way, some of the songs we were singing that Gary was leading, I found myself praying them as I was singing them. They were both praise and prayer all in one. As a matter of fact, a lot of, that's why a lot of the psalms are both songs and prayers. You say, are they a song or are they a prayer? Yes, they're both. So you can do that. You can say, Lord, I'm magnifying you with a song. It's also a prayer. We do it together. Go uh, on and he says, I will magnify the rest of that verse. I will magnify him with thanksgiving. And then Job 36, 24, remember to magnify his work. We forget to magnify God sometimes. We forget because of the magnitude of the problem or the magnitude of the crisis. We forget to magnify God. They did not. They said, before we do anything, God, you're the one that made heaven. You're the one that made earth. You made the sea and all that's in it. I mean, who thinks about the sea when they're praying? They did. Everything that's in it, all the whales out there, all the fish. Don't get distracted, fishermen. But back on, back on our text here. Um, but all these things are to praise and to magnify God is what he deserves. And at the same time, when we pray to God what he deserves, he deserves our praise. He deserves our admiration. He deserves our respect and our awe. He deserves to be glorified. But as we do that, amazingly, it fortifies our faith. Because as we start to speak of his awesome power, we start to say, hold on, why am I so worried about this? You're holding the universe in place. We're, we're, we can't, you know, we, our cell phone coverage is messed up because a satellite is barely tweaked. And God's like, I have the entire universe. By the way, one good solar flare could knock out all of our technology. We understand these things, right? So God's like, you are focused on these tiny, little, I mean, barely, if I give a, a light little breeze from, his, from God's lips, could blow it all away. But he's like, but at the same time, I can actually sustain you like he did jo Jonah in the belly of the fish. Because he holds all things. So even though he deserves the praise, it fortifies our faith. Um, we're worshiping and praising and telling God of his greatness, but really we're telling ourselves of his unlimited power, right? Because God already knows this about himself. We're informing ourselves of his unlimited power. Uh, their opening words remind me of other uh, prayer passages and uh, passages that we find in Scripture. One is in Nehemiah chapter 9. I put it up on the screen as well. Uh, in, in Nehemiah chapter 9, you get to the ninth chapter of Nehemiah. We went through the whole book of Nehemiah as a church. You can go on our website, it's all archived out there. But uh, they had rebuilt the walls around the city. Nehemiah and the people had rebuilt the walls. But as they got past the building of the walls, then they started to look internally at themselves, and they saw that they still had a lot of sin and iniquities that they had not dealt with. And what they did is they put on sackcloth. You ever seen this in the Old Testament? Sackcloth, and they put dust on their head. And they cried out to God, and this was a part of the opening prayer, Blessed be your glorious name, which is exalted above all blessing and praise. You alone are the Lord. You have made 
heaven, the heaven of heavens and all their hosts, the earth and everything on it, the seas and all that is in it. Remember, they mentioned the same thing, the seas and everything is in it. And you preserve them all. The host of heaven worships you. Even if you and I don't worship, the host of heaven is worshiping. All the angels, all the stars that he counts by name. But they start off by the same exalting and praising God before they get into the petition. And petition that's preceded by praise, it helps purify our perspective and it purifies the petitions themselves. Would you not agree with that? That when you start to praise God, even your petition, what you thought you were walking into your prayer room to pray, even that gets tweaked. Because you, were, you came in with a list, you start praising God, and you're like, um, I think this is out of order. So it purifies our perspective, and it purifies our petitions themselves. Let me also say that as they raised their voices, I'm reminded that even as we raise our voices to God and we lift our eyes to God, interestingly, our hearts are bowing this way while our eyes are looking up. Does that make sense? Our hearts are actually bowing down, similar to like we got on our knees earlier. Our hearts are bowing in humility while we're looking up for God's help because he gives grace to the humble, doesn't he? He gives grace to the humble. But it is important for us to look up. And these are two passages I've shared with you guys before. They, they've encouraged me many, many times since I got saved in 1995. Job 35.5, look to the heavens and see and behold the clouds. They are higher than you. And then Psalm 121, verses 1 and 2, I will lift up my eyes to the hills from whence comes my help. My help comes from the Lord who made heaven and earth. Remember, you see in Nehemiah, you see it in the Apostles' Prayer, you see it here in the Psalmist, they all reference that God made everything. And if God made everything, he's in control of everything. Amen? Amen. The, the fact that none of you, maybe most of I hope every one of you, have not told your internal organs this morning to do certain functions. <laughs> God has just made sure that it ha that has happened. Now, once they have I enumerated them all, all right, kidney, you need to be doing this, and uh, I don't know, Amen. pancreas, you better be doing this, and all these kind of things. And by the way, in your eye, there's like thousands of things taking place. Not once have I told my cornea to do this and the iris to do that. And God's like, I have control of all of these things. I told the first service, um, and, I, and I've, I've prayed and meditated on these paths and been helped by them many, many times. Many of you probably have as well. These are great ones that you can be sitting in your car and you're just, just noodling on something that's driving you crazy or it's a crisis coming. You can look and there's clouds right there and you can say, oh yeah, Job said, I can look to the clouds and remember the, you're higher than them. And so it just reminds you, um, it's, there was a saint, I can't remember who the saint was, but he would... Uh, in the 1800s or so, he would make sure that at least three times a day he would stop whatever he's doing, go out the door, and look up into the heavens. If it was daytime, if it was rain, if it was clouds, if it was sunny, if it was night, at least three times a day. Remember, Daniel used to stop and pray three times a day. Remember that? Daniel would stop three times a day and pray. And what did Daniel do? He opened his windows. He looked toward Jerusalem, but you have to look out, and he would remember... And so the saint said that, um, uh, what another brother and sister in Christ said, I can't remember who it was, but they said that just to remind themselves 
that God is above the heavens. And, they would, and it would help them reset themselves for the next four hours of their day. And, and they just keep looking back up, oh, yeah, God is in control. Uh, but we obviously, we don't look to clouds and we don't look to hills. We're not like the pagan uh, religions that actually worship nature. There's actually religions on earth that actually worship the mountains or worship the sun. And, of course, that was common in Egypt. That was common in the Greco-Roman religions. We don't look to the hills. We don't look to the clouds. We look at the one who sits above the clouds and is coming in the clouds. The one who owns and made the hills and the cattle on a thousand hills. The one who sits above Mount Everest. The one whose foot is going to touch the Mount of Olives and split it in half. That's who we look to is the one who holds everything in the palm of his hands. But when we're burdened, or we're afraid, or we're confused, or we're exhausted, or we're frustrated, or we're agitated. We can step outside, or we can be driving our car and look up and see the clouds, or see the sun, and say, oh yeah, God set everything in its perfect place. Lord, help give me wisdom, or peace, or joy, or understanding, or a word. If you can do all these things... I know that you can work on my behalf. And that's what he reminds us to do. Everything is in his hands. And this is the confidence that the apostles had as they raised up their voices. Look at verse 25, and they begin to continue in this prayer. We don't know who exactly made this prayer, but one of them, who said by the mouth of your servant David, have said, why did the nations rage and the people plot vain things? Verse 26 the kings of the earth took their stand and the rulers were gathered together against the Lord and against his Christ. In Peter's sermon in, on Pentecost Day, on that, um, uh, on that uh, Feast of Weeks, in his sermon on Pentecost, he quoted from David, or he quoted from the Psalms twice, and uh, it was Psalm chapter 16 and Psalm 110. Those were the two passages that he quoted there on Pentecost. And here again, uh, this prayer on behalf of all the disciples, and we don't know whether Peter prayed this, whether John prayed this, or one of the other uh, apostles, or someone else from the 120. We just know that somebody uh, was praying this. A psalm is again invoked. So this is the third time that the psalms are invoked in either preaching or prayer. Uh, this time in prayer rather than in preaching, because it's a, a prayer meeting among believers. But the word, uh, the scriptures, is so essential uh, in our preaching, I, I would never preach aside from preaching the Word of God and study preaching the Word of God and then present it with the Word of God. But the same is true. So preaching or you proclaiming the Lord, it, it, com it comes from the Word of God should be springing forth out of our mouth. But also the Word of God informs our prayer life. So it actually activates the preaching and proclaiming, but it also informs our prayer life. Uh, some of our prayer nights, we've got one coming up two Wednesdays. This Wednesday is a fellowship with the tailgate. The following Wednesday is a prayer night uh, to start the month of August. But our prayer nights, you'll see oftentimes many people in the prayer meeting will actually pray a scripture back to the Lord, much like we see here. The scripture actually is part of our prayer. But this prayer and the quoted passage shows us uh, the apostles reflecting on Psalm chapter Two. So this is going back to Psalm chapter 2. Uh, you can mark that in your Bibles. This is where this passage comes from. Why did the nations rage and the people plot these vain things? 
but they saw Psalm chapter 2 as a prophecy that had been fulfilled in the arrest and murder of Jesus when the kings, Pilate and Herod, with the rulers, Caiaphas and Annas, along with the Sanhedrin, they plotted and came together. And you had, hear this clearly, you had godless government linking up with apostate religion. That is a toxic combination. And we're living in America right now. We have godless government and apostate churches rolling in the same direction. And eventually they're going to link arms. Wait till you see some celebrity preachers actually link arms with godless government. It's coming. They're moving in the same direction. And this is what took place here. Godless government and apostate religion held hands to try and remove Jesus from the face of the earth. The Antichrist is going to galvanize it worldwide. He's going to gather apostate religion and godless governments and all put them together to try and oppose Jesus, the gospel, and anyone that's ever come to faith. Now, verse 27 spells out clearly this, um, this kind of coming together. So look at verse 27. For truly against your holy servant Jesus. Remember we talked about... Um, we talked about this before last week uh, that many times in, in government today, public servant is not the most accurate description <laughs> of our leaders. But Jesus' title here is the holy servant. He's not the public servant. He's the holy servant of God, and he really is a servant. He came to serve, not to be served. He came to give his life, not to get his life, or get his best life. He came to serve. He could have built a mansion, but no, he came to have no home, no place to lay his head, and died to be risen. But uh, against your holy servant Jesus, whom you anointed, so God anointed, they rejected him, the stone with the builders rejected, which uh, Peter had also talked about. Both Herod and Pontius Pilate, those are the kings, with the Gentiles, those are all the other Romans with them, and the people of Israel, those are the Jewish brethren of Jesus that were actually led by the rulers, being Caiaphas and Annas and the Sanhedrin, were gathered together. So you had, verse 27 spells out very clearly that Jesus was the holy servant of God. He was standing all alone. And truly, Jesus did stand alone. Everyone abandoned him. All the sheep scattered. He was standing alone, uh, facing the Gentile kings of Herod and Pilate and the people, which gathered together. And along with Caiaphas and Annas, Annas, they were all shouting, crucify him. But that's not the end of the story, is it? Look at verse 28. Verse 28. To do whatever your hand and your purpose determine before to be done. So this scourging of Jesus, the the plotting, the planning, the scheming, the coming against him, the apostate rulers along with the godless government, all of it, the crucifixion, it was all ordained by God for our salvation. They were just following the script. And it was prophesied in Psalm 22, Isaiah 50, Isaiah 53. And as painful and unjust and vile as the rejection and murder of Jesus was, and it was painful and it was vile and it was murder, 
it was still the plan and purpose of God for his son to lay down his sinless life on a cross. We couldn't be saved if this did not happen. Amen? Right, right. Jesus couldn't die by firing squad or hanging or lethal injection. It had to be death on the cross. It had to be pierced. Him whom they had pierced. It was, in, it was prophesied it had to be a specific death. And it had to be both the Gentiles and the Jews coming together together. That's why in history, when you see anti-Semitism, the Jews got blamed, and other, other people would say, no, it's the other side. No, everyone in the world's guilty for this. Amen? Amen? Jew and Gentile. doesn't matter if you're Jewish or Gentile. All the world is guilty. But there was these small group of people that had the power at the time that made it happen, and they fell into the plan of God. And we know that the life of Jesus did not end with the murder of him. It did not end on the cross. Uh, no, his life and his blood paid for our sins, and that's where we have that Greek word, tetelestai, finished, paid in full. If Jesus did not pay the price, you and I couldn't be saved, but three days later, we know his resurrection guaranteed eternal life for all who put their faith in him. And Peter has explained the whole gospel numerous times. He said, you did it, God raised him, he's alive, he still wants to save you, what say you? They're like, we want to imprison you. was the response. Verse 29, now look, Lord, on their threats, because the apostles know, they're like, hey, we've done everything. We thought 5,000 people came to faith, but these guys are hard nuts to crack. They will not budge. Lord, look on their threats and grant to your servants that with all boldness they may speak your word, because they're not going to go away, Lord. We're going to have to stay bold. They're not going to bend. They didn't, they didn't bend for you, Jesus, and they're not bending for us either, which he had pre-warned them. That's what we read in John chapter 15. I said this first service, and I, I know I've said this before, but you and I could present all the evidence to all of the rulers and big shots and CEOs and all the people that have all the power, and, and you might think, well, now if, if I could show them, if I could take them back in time in a time machine, they could see it all, then they'd believe. No, they wouldn't. Jesus said, even if we brought someone from the dead, remember he told the rich man, he's like, they wouldn't believe. They have Moses and the prophets. That's it. It's a heart issue. It's not an evidence issue. It's a heart issue. Remember, they knew that they said themselves, clearly this man has been healed, that then they went in that back room and had that huddle together so that they don't continue to tell about it. We will do this. They knew the evidence. They reject the evidence. They love this world. People that won't come to Jesus, they still would rather have their sins than the Savior. It's not an evidence issue. That's why Romans 1 says, all are without excuse. People say, well, I don't even believe there is a God. God says you do. God, I, I'm going to believe you are God. God says you know he exists. So you can tell me to your blue in the face, you don't. But deep in your conscience, you know. But they said, Lord, that these threats um, give us your boldness and the victory that in Jesus. The, the fact that, that all of this was in the foreknowledge of God and the plan of God and that God had prophesied that would happen to Jesus did happen to Jesus, but he, he defeated death and he defeated hell and he defeated sin and he defeated the kings and the rulers of that age and every other age and in the ages to come. This gives the apostles the confidence that the same God that raised Jesus, the same God that healed the man of 40 plus years of being lame, the same God that saved 5,000 souls all in less than 24 hours, 
has their steps planned. And if God can turn Jesus' death into victory, he will turn their arrest into victory. And that they can pray with hope and with confidence that God will bring about new victories in spite of and in the face of these mortal threats. And, and in your own life, you might not have a mortal threat right now, but you might have a trial that, believe it or not, in spite of that trial, you're going to see victory that you would not seen outside of that trial. Amen. And that you just have to know that by faith. I need to, God doesn't lie. We do, but he does not. Uh, and again, notice the words. They say, your servants. Why would they say your Well, Jesus was a servant. He, twice he's called the holy servant here. How could they be anything but the servants? There, he does not say, your celebrities. Take, but they're saying, take us above the threats. Take us above the intimidation. Take us above these things that are coming against us and give us an infusion of boldness. And oh, do we need boldness. Not cockiness, boldness, a quiet confidence in the Lord, not in ourselves. We don't have anything to be confident of. Uh, and not bold for the sake of making a stand or winning an argument or proving anything, but they said to speak your word. Because your opinion in winning an argument doesn't really, if you ever win an argument, you not, not, you, usually if you win an argument, you don't usually win assault. But if you can speak God's word, he will win them over. And then later, they'll actually agree with your argument as well after they've become born again. Amen. By the way, we need boldness and faith in so many ways in our life. As I mentioned, I'll be announcing one next week. So, But you need them in, in so many aspects of your life, not just in trials. You need boldness. You need wisdom. Lord, help me to take these steps. Uh, last two verses, if we bring this to a close, verse 30. Uh, by stretch, So here's, here's they're asking God specifically, by stretching out your hand to heal, and that signs and wonders may do be done through the name of your holy servant Jesus. Second time he's mentioned as this holy servant. So they're saying, Lord, I love the request, by the way, here. Uh, that healing, it was so powerful of the man of 40-plus years being lame, Lord, that was so powerful, it has had a ripple effect of people coming to Christ. Lord, do it again. Use the physical healing so more will be spiritually healed in the name of Jesus so as to draw people to your holy servant Jesus. My prayer for us, my prayer personally, as we've been anointing people with oil for like two years now, every Wednesday, uh, every one of our Wednesday monthly prayers, we anoint people at the end, and I believe God has been healing is healing. But as he answers prayers in this church, it's that we can be more faithful to proclaim the name of Jesus. And if he frees you up of time, money, and, and less doctor bills and everything else, would you use it for the kingdom or yeah. use it for yourself? All right. All right. That's the question. That, right. So the, the apostles, if, they, if God would do these things, they were saying, we're going to give it right back to you. Mm -hmm. Which they, when they get to having their crowns, they're going to go straight back to Jesus yeah. as well. Verse 31, final verse. And when they had prayed, they started out praying, they kept praying, they were in the middle of praying, and now the prayer is complete. When they had prayed, or when they had finished praying, the place where they were assembled together was shaken, and they were all filled with the Holy Spirit, and they spoke the word of God with boldness. When they had prayed, 
Remember, they had praised God. They had proclaimed his word back to God. They had petitioned him for boldness, for healing, for more people to come and be healed and be really healed spiritually. But another mighty manifestation of the Spirit takes place right here, and the whole place is shaken. And the disciples are further filled. They were already filled men of God and women of God, but they're further filled with the Spirit, showing that even no matter how much filled you are, you can be more filled. Amen? And so God is saying, as you pray, keep praying. Continue to pray. And watch me do the filling. However God chooses to move in your life, in my life, in this church, uh, we know this for certain. He is calling us to praise Him, to pray to Him, and bring our petitions to Him. Amen? Father, we thank you that your word lays out for us the same as you did in the apostles you want to do in our lives. You want to give us that boldness. And Lord, we pray that we would learn even mustard seeds of faith to pray in all seasons. And Lord, Lord, to start to look up and to pray with praise, exalting you. And Lord, as we bring these petitions, that you would purify those petitions and reprioritize them and change our perspective that we would grow in your grace and we would see your boldness which is so needed and your word on our lips in these days and times that we live in Jesus name we pray why don't you stand as we close in worship mm-hmm.